When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate. You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people they can become something more. Like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Furious Finest, a podcast devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol. My name is Jesse Egan, and I am joined with my co-host, Chris Bruffett. Chris, how are you doing today, my friend? Jesse, I'm doing great, man. I'm so excited for these X-Men. Oh my goodness. Magneto, especially. Like, I'm, <laughs> we, were just, we were just talking off mic about that. Yeah, it's going to be in a completely different game here soon. It really is, Chris, and as listeners of the show know, and as you know, I typically favor heroes over villains, but there are certain villains that really, really call to me, and a villain that I've been so smitten with my entire life has been Magneto. He's one of my all-time favorite villains. He's in the top five easily, and they have nailed him in this game, so I can't wait to get him to the table. He's a leader, which is perfect. He's a heavy hitter, which is wonderful. He's bringing new mechanics to the game. You and I already had speculated about his metal constructs, what they do. We were basically right, which is very exciting. Like he draws a line of sight for them. They give his team cover. He's always pulling new ones out at the beginning of rounds. It's it's everything Magneto you could picture. And then on top of that, we've got so many other great characters that are Magneto, right? Oh my gosh. And Sabretooth and Wolverine especially. Oh my just goodness. have really, really captured my imagination with kind of the possibilities there. You know, think, teaming them up, just having this ultimate killer elite squad running through the game, something like that. Really cool. Their healing ability, keeping them alive, keeping them around. You know, and Storm is just a powerhouse. And Toad looks so fun. He does. The ultimate, you know, objective runner. Yeah. Just like we wanted. It's exactly like we wanted. We speculated our Gen Con episode. We said he's going to be a wall crawler. He's a great objective runner who costs two threat. And what do you know? That's exactly what he does. And we can't forget Scott as well, Chris. Once again, we have two hero leaders in this expansion coming up. X-Men Team Blue, X-Men Team Gold. And I don't even know where to go. Storm and Scott's leadership both sound incredible. The movement shenanigans with Storm and the sort of like quasi-stealth. And then with Scott... The ability to pass power pretty freely, move characters like with different commands. Like he's more of a 
sit back commander and then he's shooting his visor it's incredible like these factions are going to split the game wide open i can't wait and you mentioned logan of course so you mentioned wolverine and Sabretooth. logan my favorite character of mine how different could these characters be but also similar chris they nailed the design now, on top of that my first thought with these guys is black panther and killmonger but these are versions of black panther and killmonger we've never seen they're completely different they're in that same vein then again completely different right we've got options now do you want to play black panther killmonger like you've kind of got a tanky character an aggro character that have these special abilities and then now you've got a tanky character an aggro character in wolverine and Sabretooth. but once again completely different abilities they all cost four threat what do you want to take the options that are there you know, and that's a great point. And what we're starting to see with the game is that we have enough characters out now that we're we're starting to see everything falling into smaller subcategories. They're not just Correct. damage dealers, Sabretooth, Wolverine, Killmonger, brawlers. Panther. Yeah, and brawlers and finishers, you know. Then we have the, you know, the big tanky, big punch characters. We've got our pure damage dealers, we've got our flyers, we've got our objective runners. Yeah. We've got our control pieces. You know, they're all starting to fit inside these little subcategories of types of gameplay. Oh, absolutely. And it's a wonderful thing for the game because it's it's increasing the variability of the game and the options you can go, but it's also giving people more options with play styles. Like if you want to play a more Black Panther tanky style, take him. If you want to play a more Logan tanky style, take him. There's different options all around. And I love that all the lines are blurring because that's what keeps the game healthy. But more importantly, Chris, us here on Fury's Finest, having such an emphasis on fun, theme, narrative, which are high emphasis for us. Well, now you can live out the fun and narrative and theme, which fits your playstyle and fits what you enjoy most. So for me, yeah, I love Black Panther and Killmonger. Everyone knows this, but I love Sabretooth and Wolverine more just because of my history with the X-Men is so rich. So I've got options now more than just play style. It's like, what do I actually just want to play, Chris? Do I want to play Wolverine or I want to play Black Panther? Well, certain lists are going to lean certain ways, but most of the time, me personally, I'm going to want to play Logan, as you know. And right. one day I'm going to get him in that sculpt, hopefully with the uh, leather jacket and no helmet at all, you know, and just jeans and oh man, riding boots, hopefully one day. A little Gen Con special release or something like that? I would love that. But Sabretooth, once again... He is a finisher. He's Killmonger on his best day with some little flair on the side. So there's just different variabilities altogether. But yeah, like we brushed over them briefly. Like Toad, he's going immediately in my Web Warriors. Immediately. Absolutely. Someone like Magneto, of course, he's a Brotherhood member. But like this game is so wonderful. The way we build lists and the way we make things come to the table, it's whatever your imagination allows within the threat value. So Magneto might be a great Avenger. Can those throws for cheaper? Okay. That seems pretty crazy. So it's not just Magneto has to be the Brotherhood leader, which is so thematic and so right, but he also could be helping the Avengers sometime. And now he's got a discount from Cap. Throwing things at will for a discounted price seems good. Seems very good. I'm also excited, Chris, too, to see where does Wolverine fit? Because we don't necessarily know everyone that's on the affiliation list yet. We know a couple characters that obviously are on certain teams and not. But is Wolverine on both X-Men teams and also an Avenger? Time will tell. I mean, he should be. He absolutely should be. But we'll see. There is game balance to have to think of. Yes. But you could conceivably fit Wolverine in about 95% of Marvel teams. So <laughs> He's been there before, yeah. 
He jumps around a lot. Hey, man, he's a license to print money sometimes, and you just got to ride that. That's very true. Very true. And we will definitely cover that in our episode. We got our X-Men excitement out. There's so much more we want to say, but we're going to save it for X-Men episodes. And those are going to come sooner than you guys even think. So stay tuned for that. X-Men aside, Chris, we've had a pretty exceptional couple weeks. So we had our interview with Will Schick and Will Pagani revealing the restricted and banned list from Marvel Christ Protocol, which is a very exciting thing. We got the news of Cable, which we've already talked about in our last episode. We'll talk about it again. Very exciting. But more importantly, the game got balanced in a really wonderful way. And then we did our Hawkeye and Black Widow Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, which was really fun. We hope we brought a lot of justice to Hawkeye. Funny thing, Chris, I posted in the Facebook group that we hope you guys enjoy this episode about Hawkeye, one of the more slighted characters on the lore side of things, or, you know, the modern emphasis of heroes and superpowers, which you and I talked about in the episode. But some people maybe skimmed my comment and they just immediately got to the end and were like, oh, guys, Hawkeye is not underrated at all. They were talking about was MCP. Because he's not underrated in MCP. No, he's a force in MCP. So I apologize if you didn't understand what I was saying. I was talking about in the modern sphere of culture, superheroes, comics, his portrayal to the world, which, as we know, is the best it's ever been because of Jeremy Renner and the MCU. But before that, it was pretty extreme as well, Chris. And we just want to make a case for Hawkeye on the lore side of things and theme that we think is a great character. And then, of course, he's incredible in the game, as we all know. He's a staple three-thread of mine, almost every list that I play. But clear that up. But all that aside, Chris, we got through some pretty exciting couple of weeks. And we're about to start a new series here with the Web Warriors, which is really, really exciting. But before we get into these Web Warriors, which is something I've been looking forward to a long time, We've got a big announcement, which is it's been one year since we started the show, as in posted our first episode. It's been longer than a year since we started the show because, you know, these things take time, research, writing and recording and production. But it's been over a year of Fury's Finest, which is very exciting. So you guys have listened to us this long. We mentioned our last Hawkeye episode was coming up. It's here. We're really excited you're here with us. Chris, any thoughts going through in your mind? It's been an awesome year doing this. I had no idea what to expect when we started. It's not only met, but it's exceeded my expectations. I've had a great time putting these shows together, playing Marvel Crisis Protocol, getting to know some new friends. That's true. Learning to try to paint. It's, yeah. it's, been, it's been a lot of fun, and I really... I want to thank everybody for listening to us. It's it's awesome. Like We really do appreciate it a lot. We certainly do. We can't thank you guys enough. And the show continues to grow by the day, which is absolutely wonderful because new players come to the game. We've always wanted to make a evergreen resource for new players and old alike to just hopefully excite you, increase your vigor and love of not only Marvel Crisis Protocol, but Marvel and these characters. We want you to feel like you're playing Sabretooth when you get him to the table after you listen to our Sabretooth episode, because it's really important to us. These characters have a really special place in our heart. Not only are they so iconic to culture, but they're really iconic to us, Chris and I being longtime Marvel fans. But at the same time, this game is going to be around for years and years and years, which is what the Wills said. And we want you to get as much out of it as you put in. So if you put in time with your terrain, your models, your painting, listening to us, listening to other great podcasts in the community, getting the strategy and everything in your mind. But also, you know, when you play someone maybe like Taskmaster, who you might not know as well, we're going to give a pretty robust Taskmaster episode. 
we hope it increases your enjoyment of the character when you play them on the board. That's always been our goal. So we cannot thank you enough for hopefully just going on that journey with us because, yeah, Chris and I are huge Marvel fans. We're huge fans of the MCU comics. But Chris, every time you and I do an episode, I learn something new. My excitement increases. Even like a character I know so well, like Peter Parker, the second we get done with that episode and then I get done with production, we put it out into the world for people to enjoy. I learn something new about Peter Parker. I really enjoy him even more. So it's added a lot of value to my life, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And it's been something that I've really enjoyed getting to know some of the finer points of characters I've known for years, learning things about characters I didn't know very much about at all. It's been really fun. It's been a very great experience. You said at the beginning of this, you didn't necessarily know where it would go, which is a fun thing maybe to unpack because as maybe many listeners know that have followed me for years, like I did Star Wars gaming podcasts for many years, Vader's finest being the most prominent one. And I really appreciate those listeners continuing to listen to content I've done, but this was your first major podcast. And I'm really excited you came on because we're trying to do our very best here, you know, and I think you've taken the task very well. And, you know, one year in, I feel like you've learned so much about podcasting alone. And then of course, all the stuff we do behind the scenes, preparing notes, reading, listening to other podcasts, right? I mean, it's a more involved process, I think, than most people think that maybe haven't invested a lot of time or years in my case in the podcast i can't thank you enough for being sticking with it taking a leap of faith in the beginning oh absolutely and you know i've been playing music in bands since i was about 15 years old this feels very similar to me it's a labor of love it's an expense it's another job but at the end you create something with someone else and your mind's hit the same wavelength for a while and that's a very kind of magical feeling when you're Mm. simpatico with someone else musicians know exactly what i'm talking about yes it is absolutely a magical feeling and i love getting to explore that every week that's a funny thing chris mentions because yeah i've been playing bands since i was 13 as well and it's funny that podcasting is an evolution or a, a different offshoot of that but it really very much so is chris and something i've always been really passionate about i know you have been as well is not only having the simpatico relationship with someone and then creating stuff together and kind of melding and meshing but then refining and producing that content and then putting it out into the world for other people to enjoy to me one of the best things you can do as a content creator or just an artist in any way is the hardest part which is that final step and then putting out in the world for other people to enjoy, take what they want from it. Hopefully they get some sort of value in their life. In our case, it's a podcast. So some people have said, you know, you made my morning commutes easier. Well, that makes all this worth it for me, Chris, right? And other people take from it what they want in different ways. I think the best thing you do as a content creator is just keep putting work out there the best you possibly can, the highest quality you possibly can, and then let the people enjoy it how they want to enjoy it, you know? And with that said, we can't thank you guys enough at home listening right now. If you've ever shared this, if you've ever listened to all of our stuff up to this point, I mean, it really means a lot. It absolutely does. And you've kind of been on a ride with us for the last year. That's right. 2020 has been a trying year for everyone. It started pretty early for me in the winter (laughs) last year. It absolutely did. You know, and... uh, Yeah, it's just been a wild year. You guys all know that I've moved across the country and changed careers. And, you know, I want to thank everybody that's reached out and asked me how everything was going. And, you know, I just really appreciate you guys being around. 
it's really exciting, Chris, that we can have this really wide but devout community, which is, I think, a wonderful thing to say as any sort of content creator, because not only does it keep us going, but as you said, we can be transparent with you guys. And we really are super transparent with our patrons because we have the patron discord and all this stuff. But even the show as a whole, we've kind of been talking about what's going on with our lives. I mean, Chris and I have had a crazy year last winter to now, essentially. And really, the game took off last fall and we started the show last September, October. So it's been quite a ride. We appreciate any sort of patience if you're waiting on episodes or anything like that. But I mean, it's been a crazy time pre-2020 even starting and 2020 starting, all the things that hit with that, you know, roadblocks we ran into that we got around and the show's continued, which has been wonderful. And we just can't thank you enough. Something that really speaks to me, Chris, people reaching out and saying, not only have you got me in the MCP, but more importantly, you guys have kindled a love that I didn't know I had in this universe, these comics, something I've always been maybe too tentative to jump into and knowing where to jump into. And then I've decided to jump into it now. Yeah, we want to create evergreen content for MCP, but we also want to create evergreen content for this universe because at any time we want you to jump around, listen to old episodes, new episodes, episodes in you know some sort of future or past and get a vigor for these characters you know again hopefully a goal and hopefully our show remains a sort of timestamp of all this chris because we never want to create weekly topical meta content necessarily or anything like that this is not where our show decided to go and you know and we're hoping to refine this other way that we've done since the beginning that's right and there are some great shows that do weekly meta type stuff they're wonderful i don't think we can do it better we're doing what comes naturally we're doing what we feel is right we're doing what we want to hear that we don't hear in the community already and that's kind of just the mantra i've always had when it comes to forming bands and creative projects is what do i want to hear what do i want to do that's not readily available Absolutely. So that's why we pour so much time and work into this every week, guys, and so much production. And we want it to be as concise and clear and enjoyable as it can be for you every week. So just can't thank you enough for listening. The best thing you can do is listen and share the show. So we know you guys are doing that. So if you continue to do that, it helps us out. Thanks so much, guys. Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games, Inc. Go to www.discountgamesinc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. So guys, the show being around for a year, we of course have a Patreon. If you're new here, we're going to talk about it and what it does. But basically the Patreon is a way you can support us monthly if you really find this show brings value to your life. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy this show, consider going to that link, supporting with monthly contribution. We'd like to thank all of our patrons for their support. Of course, you can always find the link to the Patreon and the show notes on your podcast app. So you can just click on it, check out the tiers, and join this community. This week, we want to send a very special shout out to my main man, Cornwolf. That's right. Cornwolf, what's up, dude? Thank you so much for supporting the show. We appreciate all your contributions, not just on Patreon, but in the Discord as well. You're the man. And Cornwolf has a YouTube channel just called Cornwolf. If you go to YouTube and type in Cornwolf, you will find a wolf head and a channel with lots of great gaming content, reviews, a lot in the video game world. So give Cornwolf a follow and check out his content. Also, once again, thank you to our only producer that is our avenger matthew r if you would like to be a producer and join matthew r and have your name heard every week check out our producer level but we can't thank matthew enough thank you so much matt let's get into lore 
So Chris, today marks a year of Fury's Finest, which is very exciting, but more importantly, marks a new sort of timestamp for the show. And I'll explain what that means, and Chris can explain it even more, but basically today we have the character, Miles Morales, the ultimate universe Spider-Man. And why this is such a mile marker is because Miles Morales is the first major ultimate Marvel Universe character we've had on the show who's really only an ultimate character, right, Chris? That's right. And he's probably going to be the only ultimate universe exclusive character for some time. I mean, there's not many options left after Secret Wars, to be honest with you. We'll see what Marvel does here in the future. Well, I've got a good question for you, Chris, for anyone maybe new or uninitiated at home. You and I say ultimate character, ultimate universe, like a sort of easy slang, but what is the ultimate universe and the ultimate superhero characters? What does that mean? So the ultimate universe is a reimagining, a, a, a completely new reboot of the Marvel universe that happened congruently with the regular Marvel 616 universe. You guys have heard me talk about 616. Yes. That's the number of the, the Marvel main universe in the multiverse. It is, it is universe 616. And the ultimate universe is a different universe entirely, much like the MCU. It right. is supposed to be a little bit more real. It's supposed to be a little bit more gritty. It is where Miles comes from. He is the only main character. Of course, we have a version of Nick Fury from the Ultimate Universe. Pretty popular. Very popular. <laughs> but we've had a Nick Fury before. And that Nick Fury was a major character too, right? It's not like the original Nick Fury was a character that was pushed aside that no one ever paid attention to. And then the Ultimate Universe, more Sam Jackson, Nick Fury came around. And everyone's like, oh, who's this new character? Well, Miles is a little different because, yeah, Peter Parker is arguably one of the most important and popular characters in all of superhero history. And he's in the regular universe as Spider-Man, right? 616. In the Ultimate Universe, of course, Peter Parker, you know, no spoilers here. Well, I think most of you know, but if you don't, you will in a few minutes. <laughs> Peter Parker dies in the Ultimate Universe. And of course, you could make the argument that Miles, he's still a Spider-Man. How different is it really? Pretty different. It's pretty different, very different, and it's different intentionally. Bendis, the writer that created Miles Morales, intentionally tried to do some different story beats that would separate Miles from Peter Parker, from a young Peter Parker. And it's really, it's really pretty interesting stuff. It gives, gives you something else to latch on to with the character. He's attacking things from a different way. It's more of a perspective that I share, so I kind of relate more with Miles Morales than I do with Peter Parker personally. Very interesting. Well, and I think really important to mention while we're here, Chris, is you know, you gave away the first big twist, but more importantly, just chronologically through timelines, the Peter Parker Ultimate Spider-Man universe. So the Ultimate Spider-Man universe, Peter Parker, was kind of the frontrunner of the Ultimate Universe. He was kind of the first foray and pioneer into this new universe in a major way. And that was around 2000 with the Ultimate Universe Spider-Man, which is a great series if you want to read it from the very beginning. And Peter was kind of the person who led this new universe and sort of seeing if it worked, right? And then they branch out to other characters. What's interesting is Miles comes around around 2011. So it had been 
over a decade of this other Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe. And then, of course, we know what happens to him. And then we get Miles. So people were pretty tied to this new Peter. But at the same time, you know, they kind of use the new Peter to sell the universe. Oh, you thought you knew Captain America? Well, he's now here. He's in the Ultimate Universe. Oh, you thought you knew Peter? Here he is in the Ultimate Universe. Green Goblin's actually more like a Hulk-like character, abomination character in this universe, right? He's not the Green Goblin on the glider. He's more of a abomination, large Green Goblin character. Subtle changes and major changes left and right. But people got comfortable and really enjoying this Peter. And that's when Bendis struck. It'd been 11 years in. And that's when this happened. It caused some ripples, that's for sure. I remember when it did happen. It was a big deal. It was a very big deal. I still regret not having Miles Morales' first appearance. Yes. It's a very large regret, just like uh, that Walking walking Dead number one I didn't buy. Same. Yeah. It hurts. It really hurts. Oh, man. Well, Chris, with all great things on Fury's Finest and just these wonderful characters, like we've mentioned, and I'll just mention it here, Miles Morales was created by writer Brian Michael Bendis and artist Sarah Pichel and first appeared in Ultimate Fallout number four, which was a offshoot of Ultimate Spider-Man, August 2011. Let's get into Miles' history. So the opening story arc of Ultimate Spider-Man premieres September 2011, a month after his initial appearance, establishes the character of Miles Morales. He's a grade schooler at the time who lives with his mother, Rio Morales, a nurse, and his father, Jefferson Davis, and details how Miles received his superhuman abilities. After Oscorp scientist Dr. Conrad Marcus uses Peter Parker's blood to recreate the formula that created Spider-Man, the Prowler, Aaron Davis, who is Miles' uncle, steals the formula. And in the process, one of the spiders created by Marcus crawls into the Prowler's duffel bag. Days later, Miles Morales is bitten by the spider during a visit to his uncle Aaron's apartment. Morales develops superhuman abilities similar to those of Peter Parker, but does not tell his parents due to his father's distrust of superheroes, confiding only in his best friend, Genki Lee. Oh man, Genki. He's pretty funny. Miles, who just wants a normal life, is unhappy about having these abilities and initially nauseated at the idea of risking his life to engage in superheroics, a reaction that Bendis wrote to further contrast Miles with Parker. However, after witnessing Spider-Man's death at the hands of the Green Goblin, the guilt-ridden Miles realizes he could have helped. After Genki suggests he assume the mantle of Spider-Man, and he learns from Gwen Stacy why Parker did what he did, Miles is inspired to try his hand at costumed crime fighting. During his first foray into costumed superheroics, he is confronted not only by those who feel his use of the Spider-Man costume is in bad taste, but also by Spider-Woman a member of the government's superhuman team, The Ultimates, over his use of the Spider-Man identity. Spider-Woman unmasks and arrests Miles and takes him to S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters, where Nick Fury reveals that he knows all about Miles and his family, including his uncle's criminal activity. Hmm. After he helps S.H.I.E.L.D. subdue the escaped supervillain Electro, S.H.I.E.L.D. releases Miles and gives him a modified black and red version of the Spider-Man costume which Genki feels makes Miles officially the new Spider-Man. Miles also receives the blessings of Earth-616 Peter Parker 
during the 2012 Spider-Man miniseries, in which Parker briefly visits the Ultimate Marvel Universe and meets Miles. After newspapers begin reporting the emergence of a new Spider-Man, Aaron, Miles' uncle, deduces that it really is Miles and offers to train Miles and work with him. After Aaron uses Miles in his ongoing conflict with the Mexican crime lord Scorpion, Miles realizes he is being exploited and refuses to assist his uncle further, despite Aaron's threat to inform Miles' father of his secret. This leads to an altercation between the uncle and nephew that results in the malfunction of Aaron's weapons, which explode, killing Aaron. The uncle dies again. It never fails when you're a spider person. It's rough. In subsequent storylines, Miles becomes acquainted with Peter Parker's loved ones, Mary Parker, Gwen Stacy, and Mary Jane Watson, who know of his secret identity and give him Parker's web shooters. This Parker is ultimate Peter Parker, the deceased Spider-Man. Yes. Just want to make that clear. He also encounters Captain America, who reluctantly agrees to train Miles. So cool. In a 2013 storyline, when investigative journalist Betty Brandt incorrectly concludes that Miles' father, Jefferson, is the new Spider-Man, she is murdered by Marcus, who has become the newest host to the Venom symbiote. In the subsequent Venom War storyline, Venom confronts Jefferson at his home, where Spider-Man repels the creature. Jefferson is critically injured and hospitalized in this battle, and when Venom pursues him at the hospital, Spider-Man again confronts him, during which Miles' mother, Rio, also learns that her son is Spider-Man. By the end of the brawl, Marcus is killed by police, as is Rio, who tells Miles not to reveal his secret to his father before she dies. Miles quits being Spider-Man as a result. A year later, he is dating a girl named Katie Bishop and is planning on telling her about his former life as Spider-Man. Though he is not engaged in heroics in a year, he is pressured to return to that life by S.H.I.E.L.D. He reluctantly does so, after Genki and Spider-Woman convince him that there needs to be a Spider-Man. After he and his allies expose the criminal activity of Roxon executive Donald Roxon, Miles thanks Genki for his support and affirms in earnest that he is indeed Spider-Man. In the Cataclysm storyline, the 616 Universe Galactus comes to the Ultimate Universe's Earth to consume it for its energy. During the course of the story, Miles comes to believe the world is coming to an end and reveals his double life to his father, who believes he is responsible for the death of Aaron and his wife Rio. And Jefferson disowns Miles. Miles also journeys to the 616 universe with Reed Richards to acquire information on how to repel Galactus. During the course of his second solo series, Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man, Miles encounters a very much alive Peter Parker who cannot explain his reappearance and who does not intend to return to his former life. Together, the two Spider-Men defeat Norman Osborn, who is also revealed to be alive, but who is killed during the course of the story. After witnessing Miles courageously battle Osborn, Peter acknowledges Miles as a worthy successor and decides to retire from superheroics for a life with his family and Mary Jane. Miles' father, Jefferson, also reappears and relates to his son that as a young man, he and Aaron went to work for a criminal named Turk after Jefferson was recruited by S.H.I.E.L.D. as a spy in order to infiltrate the organization of then-up-and-coming international criminal Wilson Fisk. 
Jefferson did this for a time, but after the kingpin was arrested and convicted for his crimes, Jefferson was offered the chance of becoming a full-fledged S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, which he refused, not wanting any part of his brother Aaron's world. He met Rio a week later and fell in love with her. Jefferson fled after learning that Miles was Spider-Man because it brought back unresolved issues from that earlier time in his life and tells Miles that he does not blame him for Rio's death and regrets abandoning him. When Miles reveals his secret identity to his girlfriend, Katie Bishop, she and her parents are revealed to be sleeper agents for the terrorist group Hydra, who then kidnap Miles, his father, and Genki as part of a plan involving Dr. Doom. Miles and the other prisoners are freed, in part with help from Miles' doormate, Judge, Maria Hill, and other superhuman colleagues. During the events of the 2015 Secret Wars storyline, both the Ultimate Marvel Universe and the mainstream Earth 616 universe are destroyed. Miles manages to survive the destruction by infiltrating an escape ship designed by the Cabal. After eight years in stasis, Miles awakens on the planet Battleworld, a new planet created from the remains of the various alternate Earths that had been destroyed. Miles is reunited with Earth 616's Peter Parker and the other surviving 616 heroes who battle against Dr. Doom, who has used his newly acquired powers to appoint himself as God Emperor over the planet. And that planet, being the only one in the entirety of existence at that time, means he was the God Emperor of the entire universe. At the conclusion of the storyline, the Molecule Man, in gratitude for Miles' earlier compassion towards him, arranges for Earth-616 to be restored, with Miles and his family among its inhabitants, including his mother, who had been restored to life in the process. Miles' uncle, Aaron Davis, is also later revealed to have been restored to life, retaining his knowledge of Miles' dual identity, and Aaron assumes the identity of the costumed villain Iron Spider. Both Miles and Peter share the mantle of Spider-Man in this new universe, though the now 16-year-old Miles patrols New York City while Peter Parker acts globally. Ladies and gentlemen, is where we are going to leave this story off. Miles will go on to be a member of the Avengers. He will have mm-hmm. his own title. He will have adventures in this new combined universe where he is now part of the main universe of Marvel, which I think was a great move. Definitely. And it's really worth checking out. You can find those trades those comics you know at your local comic shops you can find them on marvel unlimited they're worth looking into yeah he's a very cool character absolutely well chris that was really exciting lore because he's our first as you said potentially only ultimate character for the foreseeable future and he's a major character now he absolutely is some really interesting parts of his story obviously congruent with peter's story but taking different paths of course the importance of family the uncle, the spider serum, the list goes on. And Miles is very much this universe's Spider-Man. And we mentioned many times, Chris, also in this story, we got a different Peter Parker. We got a Peter Parker that looked a little different, was a little different from the Peter Parker in the regular universe. So keep that in mind when we move into his cinematic history, which he does not have an appearance in the MCU yet. And I say yet, because I really do think he will make an appearance. I absolutely think he's coming. 
and many people, myself included, would like the older Miles Morales, but a young Miles Morales would be really nice to name to you. But if we do get the older Miles Morales, I mean, please give us the Donald Glover Miles Morales. Just make it happen. Disney, MCU. Absolutely. If we get a younger Miles Morales, that'd be a nice touch. But considering all of that, his only appearance in film right now is Into the Spider-Verse, arguably the best Spider-Man movie. What an appearance it is. What an appearance it is. It's an origin story. If you're only going to have one, make it good. And he absolutely did. (laughs) Yeah. What a representation of a good movie and a good Spider-Man movie. This film is. If you haven't seen it, you're doing yourself a disservice. And we won't maybe pop too many spoilers here because I want to have everyone see this movie the first time without knowing as much as they can. This is his only appearance in the film history. And he is, of course, the star of this film. He It's his origin story, and it's very similar to the story we cover today. Though it takes some really interesting twists and turns, the mentorship he receives from the 616 Peter Parker that is the almost 40-year-old Peter Parker is perfect because that's congruent, Chris, with you and I have talked on the show with Peter Parker being about 40 years old in the current canon of Marvel. That's the Spider-Man that mentors him in this particular storyline. So it does all add up. It does make sense with the comics. Also, the movie's fun because it you know it talks about previous Spider-Man movies as well. And obviously, all the Spider-Verse content that extends past Miles and Peter. I mean, what can be said? you know, about this great movie. It's so wonderful. And something it it really did for the future of Marvel movies that the X-Men movies never could capture, even though they tried, right? was the proper bringing in of the multiverse, the proper introduction of the multiverse and different kinds of characters and different universes of characters. It's wonderful. It's delightful. The supporting cast is amazing. Miles has played wonderfully. It's animated beautifully. Yes. It's a great movie. Yeah, absolutely. Miles was played by a younger actor. Um, forgive me if I say his name wrong, but Shay Mac Moore. And then, of course, the additional cast is out of control. We have Jake Johnson as the 40-year-old Peter Parker in 616 Universe. We have Mahershala Ali as Uncle Aaron. We have Brian Tyree Henry as Jefferson Davis, Miles' dad. We have John Mulaney as Spider-Ham. We have Nicolas Cage as Spider-Noir. We have Leave Shrivener as Wilson Fisk. That's the original Sabretooth, or let's not say the original Sabretooth, the second to original Sabretooth. It gets really complicated. Sabretooth is played by a couple of people in the X-Men universe. It's my favorite Spider-Man movie, and that's saying something as the maybe resident Spider-Man a file on the show. I've watched this movie so many times, Chris, and as you mentioned, we can't not mention what you mentioned, which is the animation. Oh, it's stunning. It is absolutely stunning that it captures modern technology and comic books, and they even made conscious decisions where Miles is not yet Spider-Man. He's in 30 frames per second, but Peter's in 60. And it's really even apparent to maybe non-tech nerds because it's just apparent to you as a viewer. It's because Miles hasn't got his you know, his feet under him yet. He's learning to become this fully realized Spider-Man. So they play with the frame rate. They play with the cell shading. They play with the textures, the CGI. It's absolutely wonderful. Wilson Fisk in this is perfectly realized. They nail everything right, right? I mean, we have our first cinematic appearance of Gwen Stacy's Spider-Woman, also known as the Ghost Spider, also known as Spider-Gwen. We have, in this film in particular, all representation of these names of her, but played by Haley Steinfeld, who's a wonderful actress, 
And I'd love to see her play Gwen in the future in live action as well. Time will tell. We will see. We're crossing many lines now, Chris, because, you know, Mahershal Ali, who plays Uncle Aaron in The Prowler, is 100% locked in to play Blade in the MCU. So there's interesting things happening here. I can't wait for Mahershal as Blade, by the way. I'm That's going to be great about it. He's a top tier A plus actor of modern day. Obviously, he even has <laughs> Grammys under his belt now. Yeah. Just bring Blade to the MCU. There's just so many interesting things happening here. Where do we go from here? And I can't wait for Spider-Verse 2. And there's been many, many discussions about the way they're going with Spider-Verse 2. And Chris and I are going to talk more about it on the After Dark series. We've talked a lot about it off mic. We should have been recording. But I'm really excited about the future of the Spider-Verse, the future of the MCU, Tom Holland Spider-Man, and kind of how they coalesce. And that's kind of where I went into our MCU segment today, Chris. So we talked about Genki earlier. Genki is in the MCU. It's Nate in the Tom Holland Spider-Man Absolutely. Movies. Right. But Nate was one of Peter's sort of co-employees at the Daily Bugle in the original comics. So you can see what Chris was talking about earlier with the MCU taking elements from the Ultimate Universe, Genki, taking Nate from the original 616 Peter Parker comics, making a new character who's Nate, who's really Genki, who's Tom Holland's best friend. He's the comic relief. He's this great character in the new Spider-Man films with Tom Holland, which I will mention as a Spider-Man fan, Chris, I was interested to see how they were going to do the new Tom Holland Spider-Mans without doing the origin story. And you can refer to Chris and I's Spider-Man episode to get more of this content, but they take a lot of this Miles story and twist a different way too in this these new movies because Tom Holland Spider-Man is mentored by Nick Fury. Tom Holland Spider-Man is mentored by S.H.I.E.L.D. and Iron Man. His best friend is Genki, and in the case of movies, Nate. Like, they take elements of this Ultimate Universe Spider-Man, so we're kind of getting all elements with the Tom Holland Spider-Man, which is the modern-day MCU Spider-Man 2. So I'm really interested to see how all these coalesce. Where's Miles? Is he coming into the main universe? I really hope so. It would be just so such a missed opportunity for them not to introduce Miles into the main universe at some point. You know, it might come a decade from now when Tom Holland's a little older and has made right. his three or four movies and they want to take it to the next phase of the movies. Who knows? And it could come in the next Spider-Man movie. Who knows? But I'm down for the ride. They've shown they can be trustworthy at the moment. And until they prove they can't, I'm going to I'm going to go with what they do. Yeah, I think the first step is they might actually bring Tom Holland into the Spider-Verse movie, too. And I think that's kind of the door gets opened wide at that point, right? Which way they go and all that sort of stuff. But we've talked about it being a shame not to bring Miles because he's such an interesting character. He's the new Spider-Man in this universe. And something we haven't talked about, Chris, but I think it's so interesting as a Spider-Man fan. When Spider-Man dies, the universe still needs a Spider-Man. That's kind of where Miles steps into the shoes and he kind of takes on this thing he's uncertain about. But Miles himself, and this is something Bendis made very clear, as you said, his his story does go parallel with Peter's but takes different branching paths. Put his story aside, his superpowers are actually different. He has some in common with Peter, but then he has completely different and new superpowers, which are emphasized in the comic, emphasized in the movie, and of course we're about to talk about today. Yeah, and you see this throughout the spider family slightly different powers depending on which character we're talking about but yes miles has some of the cooler powers let's talk about them now the spider that bit him was genetically different from the spider that bit peter parker and because of this miles possesses abilities similar to the original spider-man's 
including enhanced strength and agility, the ability to adhere to walls and ceilings with his hands and feet, and a spider sense that warns him of danger with a buzzing sensation in his head. Though his strength and agility are similar to those of the original Spider-Man, his spider sense is not as strong. It only warns him of immediate danger. He also has two abilities that the original Spider-Man does not have. The ability to camouflage himself, including his clothing, to match his surroundings, making him effectively invisible, and a Venom Strike that can temporarily paralyze most anyone with a touch. The Venom Strike does not employ actual Venom, however, but it is a type of directed energy that can be conducted through Miles' gloves and can be used against an opponent at a distance by conducting it through a material in which both Miles and his opponent are in contact such as the webbing of Earth-616's Spider-Man, for instance. It can break chains being used to restrain miles and even repel non-ferrous objects, such as plastic Lego bricks. The Venom Strike is powerful enough to render a person as large as Hank Pym's Giant Man unconscious. The effect of the Venom Strike manifests itself a few seconds after it is implemented, and is described by Brian Michael Bendis as being comparable to the feeling of being kicked in the testicles. Miles can affect a more powerful version of the strike, which he calls a Mega Venom Blast. When Miles employs this ability, his eyes glow with a yellow energy, which then explodes outwards in a radiant burst that can not only repel a large group of opponents, but also destroy thick ropes and chains that have been used to restrain him. This application of the strike leaves him dizzy and useless, and cannot be used multiple times in rapid succession without a recharging period for Miles, though he can still make use of the conventional strike against people during this recharging period. Miles' body also possesses a strong resistance to injury, During an altercation with the Roxxon mercenary Taskmaster, Miles is thrown through a brick wall without any apparent serious injury, though the experience is painful. Miles wears a costume given to him by S.H.I.E.L.D. and initially uses Peter Parker's web shooters, which are given to him by May Parker, but is eventually given a new set of web shooters by S.H.I.E.L.D. And that is Miles' power. Pretty cool how he has... Less of a spider sense, which obviously is Peter's greatest power and Peter's scientific mind. But then Miles has invisibility and the sort of venom shock, which is a electrical shock through his hands to render enemies unconscious, essentially. Absolutely. And I think it's also worth pointing out that Miles is a brilliant kid in his own right. He is. It's common of the spider family, right? We've talked about right. this. They, they tend to be pretty smart people and he's no exception his expertise of course leans a little bit in the artistic side maybe but he is a very accomplished talented smart individual in his own right well and something they talk about in the comic and also the spider-verse movie is i think a really interesting and relevant modern topic too they talk about inner city kids that score well in tests and then they get to get to the lottery system where they potentially get in a charter school and miles gets selected for a charter school which we see in the comics and also in the because of his high testing because of this lottery system and you know they're bringing real life into these sort of things with you know major cities but he's not a slouch on the side of things when it comes to you know school testing and of course something that peter always excelled at mathematics and science so he might not be as 
overly scientifically inclined as Peter, like, you know, some versions of Peter, we've seen him interning fully with Dr. Ock or Norman Osborn, right, in certain universes. But as you said, he's very artistic as well. So it's a really nice offshoot. We haven't seen as much out of Peter, but we see out of Miles, you know, with his art. Very cool. So Chris, closing out our lore section, we always close out with a comic book recommendation. So what's your comic book recommendation today if someone wants to read more about Miles Morales? I have a couple. If you want to read more about Miles and his origin story, I would really recommend you go read Ultimate Spider-Man and Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man. Right. Keep in mind they're different. You know, it gets really complex when you say Ultimate Spider-Man that many times. But I mentioned earlier the Peter Parker Ultimate Spider-Man started in 2000, something I read vigorously. The first issue Miles came around was 2010-11 range. So, And then he got his kind of offshoot of the series, which, as Chris just said, is Miles Morales colon Ultimate Spider-Man. So we know comics. You know, sometimes it gets really convoluted difficult to follow the title names really i mean the series makes sense when you read and read it in order but you know if you came at a different angle you might miss it the other recommendation i have for you is the into the spider verse comic book yes event it was very cool it's very different from the movie but it is very cool miles plays a huge part in it but you're also going to get a smattering of all these other spider totems, spider people. The spider family. Yeah. Spider family. It's it's a very cool event. It's very fun. I, I really I really enjoyed it. I'm a big fan. It's a blast. All right, Chris, let's move on to strategy. So like normal, we're going to jump straight into Miles Morales' card in Marvel Crest Protocol. So you're going to follow along at home, grab his card. His name is Spider-Man. His alter ego is Miles Morales. On his healthy side, he has five stamina. He's a medium move, a height of two, a threat of three, and his defenses are three physical, three energy, three mystic. And if you flip him to his injured side, it's exactly the same five stamina. Chris, what stands out to you about Miles? He's a very three-cost character. He's all the baseline of a three-cost. That's what stands out, man. We just move on from there because, yeah, it's, it's three across the board. He's a height of two, a, a, you know, medium move, right? Five and five. I mean. Ten total health, yeah. He, he's a great three-cost standard character, but let's move into his attacks, Chris. You're going to start us off. His first attack is web line kick. It is a physical attack. It is range three, strength four, power cost zero. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. On a wild, you will trigger throw. If the target character is size 3 or less, before damage is dealt, you may throw the character short. Pretty standard It's good strike, but that throw on there is very good. Yeah, that's very unusual for a standard strike not, to have yeah, a throw. Not just a push, it's a throw. And it's balanced by the weak strike, which, you know, is four dice, which anyone listening to our show is and plays the game is going to know. Four strength strikes are the lowest in the game. You know, fours and fives are pretty standard for these lower-cost characters. You don't really get into the sixes until you get to the higher-cost characters, but four is the lowest, so if it doesn't hit, it just doesn't hit. It's rough. His second attack is an energy attack called Venom Blast, like we just talked about on the show. It's a range two, so a little shorter. Strength of seven dice, a power cost of three. After the attack is resolved, the target character drops all objective tokens they were holding. This is crazy, Chris. Very cool. This is a huge, 
huge part of MCP is holding objectives. And there are very few characters at this point in the game that can physically make you drop or remove objectives from you other than dazing you. So Miles is unique right off the bat before you even read any of the superpowers because of this Venom Blast. Though keep in mind, it costs three, very expensive for a character like Miles. If that is expensive, especially when we're talking about a strike that only has a four dice power. So your builder is very iffy to begin with. So a three cost, yeah, it's it's got to be strategic. You have to build it up and save it and know when to use it. Absolutely. And, you know, Chris, something we haven't mentioned yet, and we're about to get into because you're about to read it, but Miles is the leader of a, a new affiliation in the game, the Web Warriors, which you mentioned at the top of the show which is great because you're going to see a lot of him because he's a leader, which is really neat. I think that comes into play here too, a lot. Oh, it absolutely does. So let's read it real quick and we can talk about it a little more. His first superpower is his affiliation ability. It is great responsibility. Allied characters may re-roll one defense die. Additionally, they may modify and re-roll skull results while they are holding or contesting an objective token that's huge being able to take one of those dead dice that you're not supposed to be able to re-roll and put it back in play that's big right because notice these are different clauses chris so it says all allied characters as in parts of your team of the web warriors may re-roll one defense dice so everyone on your team gets to re-roll one defense dice every time no matter what just more consistency on your defense additionally though they may modify and re-roll skulls so you can modify and reroll the skull with this great responsibility, the one reroll, or a card when it says reroll dice, right? Or a character like Shuri upgrades reroll dice. The list goes on, right? But you now have access to this. Of course, you have to be contesting or holding an objective, which turns out is not very hard for web warriors to do because they're fast and they want to do this. And, you know, Chris, I got to talk about the theme here. When other people's lives and objectives and sort of these crucial crises in the Marvel Universe are happening, the spider people kick into high gear. When they are working on these objectives, when they're saving these civilians, they do it better, you know, because they're doing what they're always made to, to do. Well, that's another common thread that runs through, I guess you could say, common web line, I don't know, Yeah, that runs through these spider people is a, a lack of selfishness, a service before self type attitude. Yes. Scarlet spider, <laughs> you know, accepted. But the rest of the spider people, they, they tend to, like you said, they do their best work when someone's life is on the line. Yes. It's like the spider sense and their sort of moral compass coincide in a beautiful way. And also, Chris, too, none of the spider people do have super strength and they're good fighters, but none of them are like heavy hitters, these cosmic powers or anything like that. They're more agile people with good hearts, you know, that are more about saving people before the building collapses, right? This is sort of their forte. Yeah, Peter can fight really well. Miles can fight well. And so can many other people, which we'll see later. Gwen is a great example of exceptional fighting skill but they still don't have any crazy superpowers like i'm gonna cyclops visor you away with this incredible force of power they don't have that they're more about saving people they're a very objective based team but that's really kind of fun they're so fast it's shown here yeah being able to move across the mcp battlefield quickly is 
not something a lot of teams can do. And being able to flex that muscle really is fun. Absolutely. And speaking of getting across the battlefield, Miles' next ability is an active superpower called Web Swing. Costs two power. Place Miles within range three of his current position. The next time he makes a web line attack this turn, add two dice to that attack roll. This superpower can be used only once per turn. So Chris, that kind of confirms our suspicions about the webline kick. If you web swing and move Miles, keep in mind, not using an action, range three of where he currently is, he's spent the two power to do that. And now he gets to strike, but his strike is now six dice instead of four. That's pretty nice. Which is a, it's an absolute vast improvement. Right, because now he can make back what he just spent, in theory. Right. Like, he's going to get probably two results out of the six, minimum. Now, does the enemy block him and you get no power? That might totally happen. But let's say he's getting average results. He's going to get three out of the six, right? So if he gets three out of six, the enemy blocks one or two, he gets one or two back. He basically just paid for the web swing, got some nice movement, and got a better strike out of it. It's really great. When he does use that web swing, he still has the opportunity to attack twice during that activation yes. instead of moving and only getting the one attack. So not only do you get those extra dice on that web line kick, maybe you get that power back and open up a Venom Blast. Yeah, and also, Chris, though, you know, looking at this a little more half-glass empty situation, this is part of the reason why Venom Blast even costs more than we thought. Three is a lot. But you're going to be want to web swim with Miles as much as possible because placing within three, we've seen how effective that is with Hawkeye, with Hook Arrow. Even better with Miles because you're proccing his strike. And yeah, you might not have the power for the Venom Blast, but you might get lucky. You might web swing, strike for six, get some power, and then Venom Blast. That is the dream, which is really nice. The absolute dream. So let's talk about his next superpower. It is an innate superpower. It is Spider Sense. When this character is defending against a physical or energy attack or making a dodge roll, it may re-roll two of its defense or dodge dice. Just like Peter. That's pretty cool, and you couple that with great responsibility, and that's that's a lot of re-rolls. That's every turn you roll dice, you're re-rolling three. So what's not to love? Because now if Miles is holding an objective or contesting an objective, you don't have to worry about skulls with those re-rolls either, so... It gets really nice. This Spider Family team is shockingly tanky, Chris, because they all have five and five. That's something they baked into the game, which I really think thematically is really cool. Like, none of the Spider people so far have more than 10 health. Their defensive dice are really what comes into play, which keeps them alive. Oh, I love it because they, you know, to this point, they haven't seemed very tanky. But now we're getting into this, and there's a lot of defensive rerolls here. And we still have one more defensive ability to go through on top of what we've already done. Oh, absolutely. And let's also not slight or forget to mention what you mentioned a second ago, Chris. When making a dodge roll, they get two rerolls. And then they get to do great responsibility on top of that. So you and I have said how powerful throws are. And I will continue to sing the praises and how powerful they are. They're never not powerful. They're always the right way to go. And they still will do damage to spider people. But the spider people are the best against throws in the game. And that's saying something, because it's arguably one of the most consistent ways to deal damage in the game. And if the spider people are getting to spider sense and then re-roll with great responsibility one more die, throws are still bad, but they're not as crazy bad. You know, they're not as crazy overpowered. You know, they're dodging out of the way. It's so thematic. It's so cool. Miles' next ability 
is an innate ability called Stealth. Characters must be within range three of Miles to target him with attacks. And of course, we finish his card with the innate ability Wall Crawler, which we know is the same as Flight. All size five buildings or less. He just, you know, moves over him like normal. So this Stealth Edition, Chris, is really nice because this has been really effective for Black Widow, right? When she picks up objectives on the side of the board, you have to get physically closer to her to actually fight her. Well, and it just adds to his objective prowess, too. It does. He can sit on an objective, not get sniped by Hawkeye, and gain the ability to reroll skulls while on that objective or holding that token. Yes. It just works with the kit. It's a very good synergetic kit, and I like it a lot. Right, and notice he's arguably one of the cooler threes in the game, but you know, if he had a long move, he would be broken. He'd be too powerful, so... He's a medium, while Gwen and Peter are longs. It is a disadvantage he has with his team, but at the same time, too, Chris, like you mentioned, he has stealth, they don't. He has the Venom Blast, they don't. So the makeup is really interesting of the different spider people, and it's important because they all have similar strengths with this great responsibility, and some of them have spider sense. But Miles is the only one with stealth, but Miles also has the slowest movement. So you got to keep all these things in mind when deploying him to the field. I think he's an absolutely wonderful character to send to that far left or right objective when the rest of your team's kind of go up in the middle because he can hold his own in a fight. But more importantly, as you said, with the stealth, they have to come to him. And he has this web swing. Chris, web swing is insane. Like Miles could pick an objective, web swing, and then move, move to another objective. So not only did he pick up a civilian, and then he web swinged, and then he medium mediumed to another objective, but now, of course, he's in stealth again because he's so far away from his aggressors. He's a great objective runner. Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely love him. I don't play objective-based teams as much as I should, but I definitely play the best when I'm playing objective-based teams. You do. And he is absolutely built for it. I I love him. I love being able to reverse the field like that so quickly. Well, and he foils people's plans. This Venom Blast that we mentioned is very hard to get off because he is definitely a power-starved character because you're always going to try to web-swing when you can with him. But when you have the powerful Venom Blast, Chris, this could absolutely change a game because, you know, keep in mind, Venom Blast is three. To interact and pick up an objective costs one. So you really want to think of Miles in terms of, do I have four power and am I close enough to do this? But if you're range two of an enemy character, they have an objective, you have four power. Who cares if you get damaged there, right, with the seven dice? Because it says, after the attack is resolved, the enemy character drops all objective tokens. So we know the objective tokens are dropped within range two, right? So if Miles has one more power, as in he had four to start, he's spent three for the Venom Blast, now he's spending one, he's going to pick up their objective. And then now you move away, right? And you're in stealth with their objective. Like, what do they do? He's a great character for this. And I think he fits a lot of teams for this. So going over real quick what teams I think he fits well in. Well, probably most teams because he's a great three threat. But if you really want to, to narrow it down, of course, Web Warriors, he's the leader the best team for him. But I think he's really good in Cabal, Chris, because every time Cabal deals damage, they get power. So if Miles deals damage within a blast, he's getting a power. They can spend the power immediately, pick it up. I think Miles is an absolutely wonderful sleeper choice for the criminal syndicate. Ooh, interesting. They're all about holding objectives and they're all about passing objective tokens between their members. Miles could 
steal an objective from somebody, pass it to someone else on his team with Criminal Syndicate, and then stealth away to an objective. Now he's counting as two for that objective, and he's also in stealth. He's a problem on criminals. I really think he will be a problem on criminals. I love it. You know, it's, it's an alternate universe for Miles took up a different life. He followed maybe Uncle Aaron's original path, right? You can enjoy the lore there in a different way, like Chris and I like to do. But I also think he fits many teams. Like, he's a frequent three threat. I like to bring different places. Like, he's great in Guardians, like rerolls with the winging tokens and just the wide list format. Also, great in Wakanda. They have rerolls, wide list format. Also, nothing to scoff at Chris when he's an Avenger because the web swing costs one every turn. Right. I mean, he's web swinging everywhere. The guy has a place pretty much everywhere. There's a reason why he's such a cool model and such a good threat cost. It's just a matter of when you want to use him. His biggest weakness is his his medium move and that he's kind of power hungry. So if you can get around those things, you're fine. Are you going to try to sneak him onto your Brotherhood team and feed him power from Magneto? I would love that. And just see what he can do with that, right? Mm-hmm. So Chris, closing out our strategy today... We got to talk about Miles's model because it's a pretty exceptional model. And of course, you and I being big Spider-Man fans, but also just like huge fans of this game, right? The things that people were upset about, about Peter, were fixed with this model. Yeah. Peter was on the ground. He, he didn't seem like he was in motion, which didn't seem like Peter Parker. He wasn't off the ground, you're right? Miles is off the ground. He's in motion. He's jumping over a newspaper stand. It's the black suit. What more can be said? It's amazing. Yeah, and it's capturing, you know, him running down the street trying to save someone, no doubt. You know, it's very absolutely very cool. You're right. I did weird things with mine, Chris. I 3D printed a carnage head and mine is not jumping over a mailbox, but he's jumping over a carnage head because now my Venom and Miles are tied together one of the Web Warrior team together. As many have seen on our Instagram and our Facebook, my Venom is coming out of the sewers but of course he's being followed by the tentacles of carnage and now my miles is jumping over a carnage mouth this guy man like his model his card he is such a cool addition to this game i just love him i love him so much a lot of people were you know upset that peter costs four because he's got some really great control options and Peter's really hard to use. Miles is a little bit easier to use for three threat. Peter, you really got to get your value out of that four threat, but if you do, he's worth it. Miles is pretty great just on his card, but if you use him really well, he's potentially better than the three threat. Oh, absolutely. He's definitely a high upside character. I love it. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Catch our future streams and Marvel Christ Protocol at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest. All the follows help, guys. And also, follow the show on social media. Twitter, at Fury's Finest Cast. Instagram and Facebook, at Fury's Finest. Emails at Fury's Finest at gmail.com and leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Also, keeping with our themes of the recent weeks, guys, we have more exciting new logos on TeePublic. So if you want to check out our TeePublic page, go to TeePublic.com, type in Fury's Finest, or go to our show notes of every episode on your podcast app of choice and click on our Fury's Finest TeePublic link. We have a new shirt I'm very excited about that I got to design, Chris, which was the list of the spider people. And I got as many of them on it as I could that were the major players of the spider people, which is really exciting. 
And it's just a list of all the spider people. I love it so much. We also have lists with the Black Order and Avengers as well, and more to come to represent everyone we can. You know, this stuff takes time and effort. But I'm really excited about the Spider People shirt because there's so many wonderful Spider People, and I thought this would be a really fun idea to get a list of all of them on a shirt, you know? Oh, yeah. And so if you guys are interested in getting a Spider People shirt, check that out. And also, we hope you enjoyed the new art for this episode with the spider people on the art i'm also putting that on the t public as well so if you want to get a fury's finest logo but instead of our standard nick fury's avengers we have all the various spider people it's the one i'm getting right now chris so if you're a listener and that interests you pick it up helps us out but more importantly you get to represent fury's finest to the world Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. Please help spread the word about our show. Please rate, review, and subscribe. That's right, guys. And we, of course, are still working on this future terrain, components, and maps episodes. So if you want to email us at furiousfinestgmail.com, if you are a creator of one of those things, reach out to us. Uh, we'll happily review your stuff and give it a proper description on that episode we got really great plans for that once again you can find chris and i on social media you can find me on twitter and instagram and facebook at jesse aiken that's j-s-s-e-e-a-k-i-n check out my podcast project starhawk which is all about star wars squadrons which is very exciting chris because they just announced all the new cosmetics from the mandalorian season two for squadrons which who doesn't want a baby yoda bobblehead in their ship gotta have it you can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. We hope you guys enjoyed this anniversary episode of Furious Finance. We've got some really big news in the coming weeks, so make sure you're subscribed to the show and stay tuned. We've got some really exciting episodes, not only for the end of 2020, but going forward in 2021 and especially some rewards for the patrons. So we just can't thank you enough for listening. It means the world to us. And stay tuned. Thanks for listening. True Believers. Excelsior. Miles power with a blindfold on. Mama always asking, Where did I go wrong? Took you long enough. What's up, danger? What's up, danger? I see this, this spark. It's amazing. Whatever you choose to do with it, you'll be great. Our family doesn't run from things. You're the best of all of us, Miles. You're on your way. When do I know I'm Spider Man? You won't. That's all it is, Miles. A leap of faith. Like, what's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? Made of myself. They fit perfectly.